Love Story was a popular 1970 movie about two young university students in love, starring Ryan O'Neill and Ally McGraw. Sadly, its message was anything but love. Instead of showing proper respect to her father, Jennifer Cavallari, played by Ally McGraw, called him by his first name. This started a practice lacking deference and respect that continues even to this day among some young people. Instead of respecting one another by saving themselves for a committed marriage relationship, they simply moved in together, a practice that is now the most common relationship in Western nations as couples couple and decouple at will. The result is more often than not betrayal, sexually transmitted diseases, and children caught in the middle of custody battles. Should we not ask the question, are these the fruits of genuine love? The most famous line in love stories when Jennifer says to Ryan O'Neill playing Oliver Barrett IV, love means you never have to say you're sorry. Thankfully, most sound-minded people understood how ludicrous this assertion is, and that mantra died a speedy and merciful death. What is real love? Is it a feeling? Is it something inherent in us, or does it need to be taught? Stay tuned. On a recent trip to Ocean Park in Hong Kong, I saw the following slogan on a t-shirt. Love does not need a teacher. But is this true? Or is it merely another superficial, unrealistic, and naively foolish slogan pawned off on gullible teens? Many people, perhaps most, especially among the young, equate love with an emotion. When I was a teenager, I thought I was in love with Becky and then in order, Susan, Judy, Pamela, and Sandy. I knew I was in love because it felt wonderful to be around them. My heartbeat increased. I even lost my appetite for a time over one of them. During the summer following my senior year in high school, Sandy and I mailed love letters to each other, and I couldn't wait to go to the mailbox to find one. This drove my mother crazy because she rightfully expected me to go out and find a job instead of laying around waiting for the mail. Sandy wrote a lot of poetry and both of us talked about sharing our lives and growing old together. Now that I've arrived at old, the old part doesn't seem nearly so romantic. And as it turned out, it was Carol, not Sandy, that I ended up marrying and growing old with. We've now been married over 41 years and while there are difficult times in any marriage, we love each other more today than we did when we first got married. How thankful I am for the wonderful wife God has given me. But what is love? Is it a rapid heartbeat, sweaty hands, a loss of appetite? This may seem like a silly question to ask, but what is love? But a lot of heartache exists in this world because people do not know the answer to the question.
As with the young lady at Ocean Park, people think love comes naturally and does not need a teacher. But if love does not need a teacher, why is it that so many young people start out in love and end up in bitter disputes, angry accusations, and sometimes in violent outbursts that occasionally lead to physical as well as mental and emotional pain? Maybe it is time to revisit this subject of love and reevaluate its definition. Many would be surprised to know that there is an ancient source that gives us guidance on the meaning of true love. That source is the Bible, and it is the most up-to-date instruction manual in existence when it comes to this subject. One whole chapter is devoted to defining love. It's known as the love chapter. Notice how it is paraphrased in the Living Bible. Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly ever notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. While emotion may accompany some aspects of love, here we see that love is defined by the way that we treat others and the way that we react to others. Love requires action on the part of the one showing love. It is not how we feel, but what we do to serve the other person. Love is never self-centered. We at Tomorrow's World define it this way. Love is outgoing concern. The young lady's t-shirt with the slogan, love does not need a teacher, is wrong. Love does not come naturally. It has to be learned. It needs a teacher. A lawyer once came to Jesus and asked him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Here we learn that love must be directed toward our maker, the eternal God of creation, and it must be directed toward fellow man. But again, I have to ask, what is love? Do we love God by having warm feelings toward him? Do we love our fellow man by words and feelings, or is something else required? The same book that tells us to love God also tells us what it means to love God. Notice, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. This should not be difficult to understand. If you have a child, you expect that child that you brought into this world to obey you. Not because you want to run his life, but because you have lived longer and you love him enough that you want him to avoid certain things that will hurt him. It is the same with God. He created us. He knows what is best for us. He loves us and wants us to be happy. And so he gives us his commandments to keep us from being unhappy. And when we obey him, we show respect and love toward him just as a child shows respect and love toward his parents when he obeys them. 
This is why the Apostle John confirms what Jesus taught him. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. During the early to mid-Shang dynasty, the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt. About 1444 BCE, God brought catastrophic plagues on Egypt, and by the hand of His prophet Moses, led this slave people to freedom. It was at this time that God taught this new nation His Ten Commandments. When we analyze them, we see that the first four of the ten teaches us how to love God. If you are not familiar with these laws, here are the first four in abbreviated and paraphrased form. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven images or idols. You shall not take my name lightly or in vain. Remember the seventh day of each week and set it aside for rest and worship. These four instruct us on how to show honor and respect toward God. The last six commandments teach us the basics of loving our neighbors. You might call this the bare minimum requirements of how to love your neighbor. Notice that none of them focuses on warm, fuzzy feelings. All relate to how we treat other people, beginning with our parents. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet what belongs to your neighbor. I think we can all agree that any society would be better off for keeping these basic commands. Yet they do not come automatically and naturally. Children need to be taught to honor their father and their mother, as the fifth command instructs us. Such admonitions are found throughout the Bible. Notice Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be graceful ornaments on your head and chains about your neck. Proverbs 23, verse 22 says, Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. And then in the New Testament, in Colossians, the third chapter, verse 20, it tells us, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Notice that the commandment to honor one's parents carries with it a promise. In Ephesians 6, verses 1 and 2, it tells us, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Yes, those who honor and respect parents generally do live longer. They do not get caught up in activities such as the use of illegal drugs, which damage and shorten lives. They avoid unsavory characters which can get them into trouble. In short, they learn valuable lessons from their parents and other elders that keep them from life-threatening situations. And this brings up another point. The Bible shows us that in addition to honoring parents, younger people are to learn to respect elders in general. One way that children and young adults are reminded to do so is found in Leviticus, the 19th chapter, and verse 32. 
You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man. And fear your God, I am the Lord. This simple act of younger people standing up when an older person comes into the room is a gentle reminder that elders are to be respected. It is a form of constant instruction and a thought-provoking ritual to be practiced throughout our lives toward those who are significantly older than we are. There is wisdom with age, and any society which practices such rituals is wiser and richer for doing so. Children need to be disciplined from an early age to control their temper and to deny themselves of every wrong desire. They have to be taught not to steal, not to lie. One who grows up learning self-control, learning to say no to himself, is far more likely to be a positive member of a harmonious society. Murder, adultery, theft, lying, and envy exist in all nations and among all peoples. And these problems would be even worse if there were not penalties imposed by governments for the violation of several of these commands. Consider how many people would murder, commit adultery, or steal if no penalty were ever imposed for doing so. We are by nature self-centered. And it is only through careful and diligent training that we learn to think of others. And thinking of the well-being of the other person is what true love is all about. The Apostle Paul instructs us in Philippians, the second chapter, and verse 3, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. But what about romantic love? You may be thinking about that right now. Does the Bible ever address that subject? Yes, it does. And in the remainder of this program, we will address that kind of love. Many passages confirm that sexual relations are only for marriage. Notice 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, and verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Notice also Hebrews 13:4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators, that is, unmarried individuals who engage in sex, and adulterers God will judge. The Holy Bible also forbids practices which are becoming only too prevalent in much of the world. It states unequivocally that marriage is only to be between a man and a woman. Notice that in Leviticus, the 18th chapter, and verse 22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. 
The Bible relates a tragic story of a young man who never learned what love is and describes the terrible results. It is a story of Amnon, a son of King David, and Tamar, his half-sister. Amnon didn't understand the meaning of love. Either he had never been taught what it means to love a woman, or he was a very poor student. Love to him was self-centered and worldly. Instead of love, it was lust. Let us read of this sad account in 2 Samuel, the 13th chapter. Now after this, it was so that Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin. And it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. We are then told that Jonadab was a very crafty man, and he hatched up a plan for Amnon to be alone with Tamar. And Amnon was only too eager to follow the advice of his cunning cousin. Notice how he put Jonadab's plan into action. Then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. David should have suspected something was not right with such a request. But for whatever reason, he was fooled by Amnon's words and granted him his request. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down. Then she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took a pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, Have everyone go out from me. And they all went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into my bedroom that I may eat from your hand. We are not told whether Tamar had any reservations about this arrangement, but danger signs were all around. Why such an unusual request in the first place? Why was everyone else to be put out of the house? Why was she requested to feed him by hand, alone, in his bedroom? Clearly there is a lesson here for all young women. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. However, he would not heed her voice, and being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. As tragic as this was, it got even worse for Tamar. As so often happens when a man seduces, or as in this case, rapes a woman and gains his desires, he then dumps her. Most often it is because what he is chasing is a thrill of conquest. But there are other reasons for dumping. With Amnon, it appears that he was afflicted with guilt. And rather than take responsibility for what he had done, he transferred that responsibility for what happened onto poor Tamar. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her 
was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. So she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out, away from me, and bolt the door behind her. It would seem that if one truly loves someone, he would not do anything to harm the object of his love. Though Amnon professed love for Tamar, and perhaps as with so many young people, he thought he loved her, his actions tell us a different story. He was selfish and cruel. There was no outgoing concern. For him, love was all about the way that he felt and what he wanted. Tamar's feelings and her well-being were not even considered. This, my friends, is not love. In the end, Amnon paid a price for his treachery. Two years later, Tamar's brother Absalom took revenge, and it cost Amnon his life. Jesus summed up love in what is called the golden rule. It is recorded in Matthew, the seventh chapter, and verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Yes, this is God's message for mankind, so simple yet so lacking. If we would only treat others as we want to be treated, we would have a far different world. Murder, adultery, and thievery would disappear. If even one of God's Ten Commandments were kept, it would transform the world. Western society has changed dramatically in the last 50 years. Young people once looked forward to a lifelong marital relationship with the same person. They committed themselves formally before friends and family to faithfully love each other until death parted them. Men and women had well-defined roles that complemented one another and created a stable environment for raising their children. But relationships today are built on convenience, preserving one's independence, and focusing on one's own personal needs above those of the other. Commitments are made with escape clauses. Marriage itself is looked down upon by many in such places as Canada. For the first time ever, there are more people cohabiting, that is, living together apart from traditional marriage, than there are married couples. When two people are so selfish, or too afraid to formally commit to one another, the chances of staying together are diminished, and when the going gets tough, it is only too easy to walk away. And even among those who do marry, about 40% of Canadians walk away from their commitment. Somehow, we have never learned the meaning of love. The traditional concept of the husband earning the wages and the wife teaching, caring for, and nurturing children hardly exists any longer in Western society. More often than not, both the man and the woman work outside the home, with each one pursuing his or her own career. And if a child comes along, he is left to fend for himself. Materialism and self-interest have pushed aside traditional roles and the traditional home that once provided stability in society. Earning money as an end in itself has become more important to parents than taking time to teach values of citizenship and good manners. Parents place great emphasis on schoolwork, 
preparing a child to earn a living, but what about teaching that same child how to live? Where is love being taught? How can one teach another what he himself does not know? And teaching is of little value if one's good example does not accompany instruction. In 1965, there was a song composed by Burt Bacharach with lyrics by Hal David. Since then, over 100 artists have recorded or performed this song. The words go like this. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Lord, we don't need another mountain. There are mountains and hillsides enough to climb. There are oceans and rivers enough to cross, enough to last till the end of time. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Truly the world does need love. There is, oh, too little of it. But who is going to teach it? And who defines it? As we have seen today, love is based in law. It is not about how we feel, but about how we act. It is about outgoing concern for the other person. Love does need a teacher. And love does mean having to say, I'm sorry. If you would like to learn more about the Ten Commandments, which teach us how to love God and neighbor, please go to our website shown on the screen where you can view online our booklet titled, The Ten Commandments. You will also find past programs and other biblically-based topics of interest. And be sure to come back next week, same place, same time, to learn more about tomorrow's world, when the whole world will be taught and learn the real meaning of love. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God 